right. Well, welcome back to the Rolling in the Deep podcast. Today we are hitting, it's going to be part three of parenting a child with trauma. So if you haven't been listening, you need to catch up. You need to listen to parts one and two um, to catch up on kind of what we're talking about in relation to, I personally, Adele here from Babies on Broadway, (laughs) am parenting a child with trauma. And it has been rough to say the least. We had my Husband Drew joined us for the last uh, two parts of that. He is not with us tonight, and we are bringing on Summer's expertise. So you see Summer here on every podcast with Rolling in the Deep, and she is really going to show her shine tonight <laughs> with kind of help talking us through some of the, the tips and tricks for whether you're parenting a child that has trauma, whether maybe you're witnessing a child in a trauma meltdown or have a you know friend of your child's that is a child with trauma. I always find that kind of hard to, like, I have to disclaim to other people's parents, like, well, you know, Lynn can be a little rough sometimes. So yeah, I think we'll just kind of dive right in to what are some of the things that we need to do in these moments. Perfect. So as we've kind of talked about, there are definitely some major challenges in trying to just parent through, I mean, everyday parenting, whether you have a child with trauma or not, is a really intense experience. So then when you add in the additional piece of this child has been through some major trauma and their brain is not quite developed to even be able to process any of it yet, how do we parent them through it? And how does the parent also maintain their self-care? Self-care for the parent oftentimes becomes the priority in the sense of they tend to be the ones that are going to kind of foster the child through the therapeutic process of processing their trauma. (laughs) So that's pretty crazy when you think about that. Oh, for sure. And self-care is probably the worst part. I'm, I'm absolutely terrible at that. I'm never taking care of myself most moms specifically, I'm going to say, like not to disclude the dads, I'm sure there are plenty that don't do well with their self-care, but I feel like moms in general just take on everything and just keep going because that's absolutely what we feel like we have to do. And I know in moments where Flynn is like completely melting down, I'm never really thinking about, oh, how can I care for myself right now? I'm like, how in the hell can I get myself out of this current situation? (laughs) And move forward. (laughs) With all sanity and bodily appendages together, (laughs) right? Lost a finger in that one. No. That's a really hard kind of concept for a lot of parents to grasp because one of the pieces of parenting a child with trauma, you want to get them help so bad and you want to like find them the right person until you realize that you probably are the right person that's going to get them through it. Especially because, again, the way your brain kind of gets stuck in that hyper-focused brainstem thinking when you're in a traumatic experience, you, you know, we go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, you know, it takes everything sometimes to just get through the basic needs. So feeding, eating, just these basic things that beyond that, who knows what the hell the day is bringing You know, so I think it's just such an intense kind of experience in general. And then you add in like someone, a professional saying to you, guess what? You're also going to 
probably bear the kind of the recovery of this with him, mm-hmm. yeah. which is such an intense, you know, as we've kind of mentioned, my first life passion, which I am no longer doing, I was a clinical therapist. And one of the hardest things that we often had to get through was getting the parents in my office, especially kids that have been adopted, mm-hmm. and just having them grasp that, okay, because these kids are probably, their attachment is so, it's far gone, mm-hmm. that these adoptive parents bear that attachment, and it became about getting these parents in the office and not as much about the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found that for sure with you know our situation with Flynn. Yeah, you want to help them. You're like, okay, I'm going to get him into therapy. I'm going to do all these things, and we're going to work through this, and you know, I'm going to take all the tools that I think are in the toolbox and help him. And the reality is, and and his therapist was quick to say the same thing, you know, forcing him to go and be there was just like re-traumatizing him constantly. It made him feel as if something was wrong with him, like that he needed to be fixed. And that was not going well either. So it became about, well, how can we parent this child? How can I meet his needs? What does that even look like? What does he need? What is he looking to me for? you know, in these moments of meltdown. And I guess self-care is not where my mind goes to that. So that's interesting to have to try to, you know, think about how can I take a breather and re-meet him at maybe his level to where he's at. Because a lot of times you get really irritated, you know, in those moments, like just stop, like stop doing what you're doing. And it would just be easier (laughs) if you could just do that right now. And we can see with him oftentimes too, he gets very rigid. I mean, if he has a thought that, needs to happen oh yeah I mean we know he does not let that go yeah till it has I mean he has literally pretty much put you in a puddle yeah (laughs) yeah he's literally this far away from my face I might be on a call like it doesn't matter what I'm doing like if he specifically is needing my attention and part of his routine now has became literally showing up at the store every day after school and he cannot like get himself out of it and it's so stressful because he comes in and it's like the whole world just stops at you know 310 315 he's got a Sanchez burrito he loves those things his little soda (laughs) pop he's smacking his burrito on my desk and he's this far away from my face and like in a in a perfect world I know I just need to like put down what I'm doing and just meet his needs but I'm in the depths of something just trying to get through it and here is this child like and the the more that I'm not meeting it the the louder he's getting next thing you know the burritos on the floor and the easy rollers jamming into my chair (laughs) and it's just turned into chaos and yeah I mean it's just it's it's definitely a a tough situation okay so so tip one is self-care for the parent what do you like what does that mean what am I what am I supposed to be doing with that (laughs) so I think one thing that like if we think about Flynn's new routine of he kind of has to like check in with you Mm-hmm. He does. And I've noticed that actually the stop-ins, if you are able to just even carve out 10 minutes mm-hmm. of attention with him, his visit, his stop-in is actually shorter. Yeah. So where he can align with you and kind of, it seems like this reconnection in his day per se with you, mm-hmm. then he gets it. And it seems like the nanny has, oops, sorry, uh, has, um, <laughs> been able to then redirect him and get him to leave the store kind of fluidly. And we know that some exits with Flynn leaving the store are, those are tumultuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was one like two weeks ago. Didn't I have to like shut the door? 
Potentially. <laughs> like, go up front. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I don't know what he was, what was happening that day, but I do remember I had to shut the door and like, I'm going to go yeah. <laughs> up front because this is not, not going well. And maybe that's self-care, like walking away from the situation. If you know, it's just not going to come down to any type of reasonable level, I guess. Too. Absolutely. The other part would also be not you not absorbing kind of some of the stories you have shared with me about just your experiences in the outside world with other parents mm-hmm. and just general public even mm-hmm. trying to navigate when he is in kind of a behavior mode, not personalizing that because that would be really good self-care in the sense of real hard not to personalize it since they have no idea where the behaviors are coming from or why he's saying what he's saying. So I think that was something we were going to add to like our our little tip list for people if you're maybe witnessing something and maybe it's even someone you know or like casually know that's you know has a child having a meltdown and even if it's not trauma related you know sometimes I think us especially as moms want to swoop in and and like help or redirect and it's with the best of intentions a lot of times but the reality is it just makes things worse sometimes and sometimes just like staying in your own lane or like really not being judgmental of the situation that you're witnessing because you have no idea what's behind the story in that situation it could be anything truly at the end of the day and maybe it's just they're hungry maybe a kid's just hungry in that moment and melting down but whatever it is you know I've been on the other side of like everybody staring at you trying to rush into help or trying to discipline your child for something that's not even you know gonna end up in a disciplinary action even though it seems like maybe to them it should it just isn't the right route because it's not anything that's effective I mean half the time you know a lot of times when he's in those modes he doesn't even remember necessarily what went on so you know it's not something where you can look back and say well 25 minutes ago you literally raged out and (laughs) said a bunch of crazy stuff and now we're going to punish you for it because it just wouldn't make anything better in our case so I think that's something too is just like remembering to have grace for other people and that's just I mean in life in general I think people need so much more of that just in the world (laughs) as a whole we could use some grace for others whether it's parents, children, whoever it is, just given that grace and and not judging like what they have going on in that moment. It doesn't make that child a bad child or a child that maybe you don't want your child around or, you know, those type of things. Like that's kind of what I've experienced is like, oh, we don't really know if we want, you know, our kid hanging out with your kid and, you know, those things. That's really hard. And it's not that you don't understand it to a point if they just see that moment of that moment of who he is, but like not knowing who he truly is and like the heart that he has and, and maybe what it stems from. So... Totally. And I think that is what you're saying is so important in the sense of like understanding this doesn't have to just be a child who has had trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's hard no matter what. This right. fly <laughs> it's gonna get you it's really gonna get me <laughs> you guys I killed one earlier and it's dead on the table back there but there is one in here it's just it's after us it's after summer specifically really and I'm actually right enjoying now. it from over here she's giving me a look me. you guys so <laughs> yeah. you know I am really passionate about movement just I think people should move their butts mm-hmm. one of the really important trauma-focused treatments can is also what they call brainstem calmers and it's the examples go on and on with running, walking, dancing, tapping, breathing, music. I mean, some of them are a little bit not physical. They just stimulate different parts of the brain that send calming signals through your brain. But you have done a fabulous job of making sure I feel like Flynn gets brainstem calming activities. 
Definitely. I mean, we think about, you know, we joke because Flynn could practically own shields at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he might own stock in there. I don't know. He might. Yeah. <laughs> he would be smart enough to have it researched and potentially be looking into it. Yeah. So <laughs> he definitely has a parking spot. We were informed the other day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that just you didn't even know how important that was that you were giving him that just his hockey, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. is a constant like okay it calms his brain mm. that physical movement gives those endorphins that are just going to naturally balance it out a little bit yeah and hopefully provide and obviously the self-esteem piece that he gets with it as well as a huge one yeah and so when he is really amped up a lot of times what he does then is moves out to the garage and he'll start shooting pucks Mm-hmm. Now my drywall doesn't like it, and I should post a picture of that sometime. <laughs> like, <laughs> say you have a kid that plays hockey without saying you have a kid that plays hockey, one of those. Because um, there's some massive puck holes in my drywall in my garage. But he'll, you know, put on those rollerblades, and outside he goes, and he's in the garage, and he's shooting pucks, and it's definitely a calming mechanism for him, for sure. Yeah, that bike riding, I mean, he does. He does. Yep, he he'll really get out does. And, and try to get it out of his body. And I think that's something like he's almost learned on his own, though, too. So I have to give him credit for that as well. I think so, too, because yeah. he'll come to my house and he'll actually get my boys moving. Yeah. Where then Flynn's got him outside and I'm like, yeah, game on. Thank <laughs> yep. you, Flynn. You know, yeah. this is important. Even when he's in the store, if you watch it, like one of the first things he'll do is go get a scooter or go get the easy roller and he's rolling around in there. And I think that's that's part of it, too. So truly. Yep. Getting, getting his movement out. He's probably better at it than I am, for sure. So No doubt about it. <laughs> and then there's four C's, and I'm just going to run through them real quick because I don't want to sound like a weirdo. But there <laughs> are four C's, and I really like these. So just calm, maintaining a sense of calm. So paying attention to how you're feeling, how potentially you know whoever you are working with is feeling, whether it be your own child, or this can even be applicable to some of our customers, you know, like because they come in and things have happened or their milk isn't coming in and the baby isn't getting fed. It's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Containing. So limiting the trauma history detail. Sometimes there's just too much of that. Mm. And what you want to do is process when you're ready. I mean, there are some people that hold trauma and they never re-talk about the actual event. Mm -hmm. They do effectively process it without having to do that. And that's okay. It's called containment. Care, like we've been talking about, which is also self-compassion. So it's not only self-care, but self-compassion. And then really creating your coping skills. So these are, you know, obviously healthy coping strategies. But that also includes, like, building positive relationships within your world, whether it be in your work or at your house or your faith communities, wherever that might be. And then just naturally things that build resilience, giving back, volunteering at Thanksgiving meals, you know, for your community, just things that make you feel good in your soul and feed your soul. And these are the four C's of trauma-induced care. Hmm. That's really interesting too. Like some of them I had definitely never thought of. So, but some of them, I think I use myself as you're talking about them. I'm a container, I think for sure with my own personal trauma that I've had. I'm, I'm a container. And I do fill my cup by giving back. That's something that 
I feel is really important. And that's maybe a piece of my self care. You know what? I'm going to use that. Everyone always asks me that, like, what do you do for yourself? And sometimes I literally don't you know what to say. I know I like this. Look at, I had an epiphany light bulb go on right here. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a tough one for me. And I can't even tell you how many times I get asked that. And I don't have like the typical answer that someone wants. Like, Oh, I go get my nails done. That actually gives me anxiety. <laughs> like <laughs> I just have to say that I don't like it at all. I don't like a pedicure, not a huge fan of massages. Like it's just not really my wheelhouse. It's not your jam. No, but I love to give like that makes my heart happy. So whether that's like giving to my kids sometimes, which people call AKA spoiling, (laughs) it's feeding my soul. So stop it. Exactly. (laughs) Stop talking about it. Or just like giving back to the community. That's something that's really important, you know, to do, I think. So that is good. I'm glad you brought that up. And you role model it. Yeah. Like, I love that you live, you know, you don't just talk it, you actually role model and live it. Yeah, oh, that sure. flies on you. It is on me. <laughs> it was just in my eyeball and potentially headed up my nose shortly. <laughs> These things are brutal nowadays. But yeah, th- I think those are great tips. And, you know, I think it's an important topic because I think too many times in life we come across kids or parents or just people in general that you, you never really know someone's story unless you know their story. Yes. And just giving those people those great, you know, those graceful moments in the moment that they're having. Absolutely. You know, and not trying mercy. Yeah. Interfere. And I feel like I'm going to eat this fly. It's on my microphone. It is potentially possible. I feel like it could go in my mouth and that would be so horrific. But yeah, just having grace for people in general, I think just it needs to be something more of the world shows nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, here's a spoiler alert. Adele and I both, you know, have been divorced and we are raising kids that have been through divorce and that too is a traumatic thing and I think this will be kind of a topic that comes up in future broadcasts as we just also talk about some of these parenting navigations that we have. I know. Yeah. Someone asked us, you know, we do polls every once in a while, like, what do you want to talk about on a podcast? And someone said, you know, navigating parenting through divorce. Well, yep, we definitely are there. So future podcasts might come up, but we hope that this has been helpful for some of you out there, you know, who are listening and experiencing the same things as always. And if you haven't got yourself caught up, make sure to check out Rolling in the Deep podcast on all of our social media channels. We've got the links there for you on Spotify, soon to be on Apple Podcasts, if I can ever figure out how to upload it there. But check out Babies on Broadway on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. And thank you for tuning in and we will see you guys next time.